What's going on, everybody? Good afternoon, or good morning, or good night, you know, whenever you're listening. This is Outside the Glass. I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. Uh, we got an exciting slate of topics to bring to you today. Um, but first, I'd like to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. I hope it was good for you guys. Uh, I know it was great for me. Uh, I'm actually back home in Lynchburg with my family. So if you hear any annoying bumps or noises in the background, that would be my family being their usual loud, boisterous selves upstairs. I'm in the basement right now of my house in Lynchburg, Virginia. So it's really exciting to be bringing you guys episode three, and we're going to jump right into it. We had no games yesterday because it was Thanksgiving, obviously. Uh, So I hope you guys enjoyed your football. We're going to recap a couple of games from earlier in the week. We won't bring you the full slate of games from Wednesday, but just a few notable games that I'd like to talk about. Uh, The Golden Knights took on the Ducks on Wednesday, and they they brought back a 4-2 victory, and they notched 49 shots on goal, and that's what I love about this team. I really love the style of play of this team because they simplify the game. 49 shots on goal, that's... That's a product of just throwing the puck on net whenever you can. And that's what this team tries to do, and that's what's brought them so much success. And I think a lot of people think that this team is going to taper off eventually and not make the playoffs. Kind of Everybody talks about that Thanksgiving mark of where you're at around Thanksgiving is, is a really good indicator of where you're going to be at the end of the season. People have been saying that's not going to be the case with this team. They're going to taper off. They're not going to make the playoffs. There's no chance. And I think they're absolutely wrong. I think the style of play that this team plays suits their personnel. And it suits the personnel of any team. Every single team, that's that's the number one goal of hockey. And that's what you always tell your players to do, no matter how talented or skilled they are, is throw the puck on net. And this team does just that. 49 shots on goal. I mean, that's ridiculous. And they were able to get the 4-2 win over Anaheim. They had four guys with five-plus shots on goal. Ducks didn't even have anybody with four shots. The D-men were getting involved. They got a lot of guys that like to jump in the offense. Uh, that that mentality is really characterized by Nate Schmidt, who came over from Washington. And they had they had each of their D-men had a shot on goal, and they had four guys on that blue line with over with two two shots or more. And the Ducks had three D-men with no shots on goal. So. Not only do do these forwards throw pucks on net, their D-men love to get involved, and everybody's really playing their part on this team. And I think that's going to pay off really well for them in the long run. This is a this is a style of hockey that you can go to no matter what. If if things are tough, if goals are hard to come by, and you're in a drought, you've lost a few games in a row. That style of hockey that they play will never fail. You you might have a few game stretch where they just don't go in the net. You're not getting the tips. You're not getting the guys in front. But if you keep putting pucks on net, that's something that's going to pay off eventually. And that's why I feel pretty confident in this team's ability to continue their success. Uh, Winnipeg took on the Kings on Wednesday as well. And this is a uh, Tale of two different teams right now. Winnipeg's hitting their stride. They've won five of their last six games. And on the other side of that coin, Los Angeles has lost six of their last seven. 
after a really hot, hot start, one of the best teams in hockey before this uh, this losing skid that they've been going on. And it's a problem with goal scoring right now for Los Angeles. In each of the six games in that losing skid, they scored two goals or less. The game they won, they scored four goals. And the game before the skid, they scored five. But in this, in, in the skid of the six or seven and those six losses, they've not been able to get three goals. And Jonathan Quick's playing great hockey, even in this skid. He's the Kings as a team have allowed an average of three goals during those six games. It's not horrible, especially in, in, in today's league, in this season's league, where we're seeing more goals than we've seen in a long time. And Jonathan Quick has started each of those losses, and he's let in less than, if you account for empty netters, he's let, he's let in less than three goals per game. So their blue line's not terrible. They're, they're playing good enough to win games, and Jonathan Quick's playing good enough to win games, but it's a problem with goal scoring right now. Dustin Brown, one point in his last four. Kopitar, two points in the last four. Adrian Kempe, their rookie, I don't want, I don't want to say sensation, but rookie that was that scored that came out scored a lot of goals for them. He had a hat trick earlier in the season. Only two points in his last six, and no goals in his last six games. Tyler Toffoli, a guy they've been they've been leaning on in the clutch a lot, three points in his last six. So I'm not sure that it's a problem with scoring depth, but they're the guys that they need to step up, their their key forwards have not been getting it done so far. And that's the problem with this team right now is they're, they're not getting the goal scoring. Jonathan Quick cannot carry them through every single game. He's one of the best goaltenders in hockey. He's been one of the best goaltenders in, in hockey for quite some time. But when you're scoring one and two goals every game, it's not going to get it done. Winnipeg, on the other hand, playing great. Connor Hellebuck, their goaltender, doing his best Jonathan Quick impersonation. He's been playing lights out hockey, 11 wins, 245 goals allowed average, 925 save percentage, really great numbers. And this Winnipeg team is looking like one of the one of the best teams in hockey right now, especially over these last 6 games. Wheeler, Shifley, obviously Patrick Lane, he's going, you know, he's not even playing up to his full potential right now, I don't think, and he's on he he's scoring a, a, a consistent amount of points after he he talked about told told the media that he, hockey was hard for him earlier in the season and he's come back since then scoring a lot of points but Blake Wheeler and and Shifley their lights out 25 points each so if they can continue to get that that top level production their defense is great Connor Hellebuck if he can continue his play which I think he absolutely can. He's a great goaltender, making fantastic saves. It's not it's not just that this team is dominating on the ice. He's making big saves when he needs to. So yeah, that's that's two teams trending kind of in the opposite direction right now. I think another problem with LA could be, you know, two of those top guys that we talked about that are struggling right now, Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar. You know, they're getting up there. They're getting in their thirties. They got a lot of veteran guys that are getting old. And so it's still early in the season, but we could be seeing some effects of, of fatigue from these veteran guys, and they're, they're trending down. I, I wouldn't expect it to continue, but I wouldn't expect them also to reach the level of play that they were reaching early in the season. 
think they're going to be kind of not really a bubble team, maybe five, six seed in the West, five or six seed when it comes down to uh, springtime. But I don't see them being on the top of their division like they were uh, to start out. Another notable game, Florida Panthers took down Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 to one on Wednesday. And Florida, they've got, they haven't gotten out to a great start. But they have some great players. They have some playmakers. Scoring depth's kind of been an issue. Only seven guys with double-digit points. Not the worst in the league, but definitely not something to be very excited about. But Trocek and Barkov are great players. 20-point scorers. Huberto, I believe, is in the 20-point mark as well. They've got guys that can put up big points, especially in their top six forward group. Roberto Luongo has been playing great hockey. He's got one of the best save percentages in the league. But it's not it hasn't come together for them right now. They need more, a little more production from their third, fourth lines. And their blue line needs to tighten up a little bit. So it hasn't come together. But I think they have that top talent. Barkov, they have great scale up there in, in that top six forward area. So I, I think this is a team that has potential to improve on what they've done. Definitely not one of the top teams in that Atlantic division or in the East. And I'm not sure that they're going to make the playoffs, but a better team than what we've seen out of them in the past. Toronto has taken two losses in a row, which is very interesting. Um, they they lost Austin Matthews for a few games there. And they went 4-0 without him. Their depth scoring really stepped up. And I think this is the deepest team in hockey when it comes to forwards even deeper than the teams that have just been lighting it up right now, like Tampa Bay. They have 11 guys in the double-digit mark in terms of points. Matthews has not by any means carried them, as we obviously saw when he was out. They went 4-0. Since he's come back, he's the, the Maple Leafs are 1-2. and two. They had a 6 nothing win over Montreal's first game back, and he notched a couple goals. But Montreal's terrible, and we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk a lot about this Canadian team. Since then, they've dropped two in a row and only scored one goal in each of those games. And it's a small sample size, but... And they were playing great before he, was, before he left, before he was injured. But has Matthews coming back affected the, the depth scoring of this team? Since he's come back, he's gotten more and more ice time as he's as he's been back in those three games, the least amount of ice time in the game that they won six to nothing. The second game back, he got a couple minutes more ice time and they only scored one goal. This most recent game back, they only scored one goal and he peaked up around 22 minutes of ice time. So are the Maple Leafs at their best when they're rolling lines much quicker going four lines, rolling them quick. 45 second shifts because I think what they're going to start doing is which is not a dumb move by any means Austin Matthews is one of the best players in hockey but I think what what we're going to start seeing is him getting those 22 minute 23 minute games of ice time and it's going to affect that ability to really quickly shift lines and just move run four lines very quickly and and be changing that personnel constantly and always having fresh legs on the ice. It's something that they were kind of doing during that four-game win streak without Matthews, and they're, they're kind of getting away from that now that he's back. And 
obviously Matthews is a very influential piece to this franchise. He's changed the feeling around this team since he's come into the league. He's definitely improved them. And I don't think it's a mistake to say the more ice time, the better. But at the same time, we saw them playing great hockey when they were rolling those four lines quickly. And now they're going to start to become a little more top-heavy in terms of kind of throwing that top line in there when they really think they need a goal rather than sticking with that rolling lines quickly. And it's been interesting to see so far the effect of that. But I don't think by any means that Toronto's going to go on a losing streak now that Matthews is back. I think they're definitely going to get back on the right track. they got a couple Metropolitan Division matchups coming up. Carolina and Washington, definitely two winnable games for them. So I don't think by any means that they're in trouble. Matthews is back, guys. Their Maple Leafs are in trouble. No, nothing like that. I think they're going to be fine. But it's interesting to see the effect that, that Matthews' return has had so far for this team. But again, I think Toronto is going to be one of the top teams in the East, and they have a great chance to to go to the Stanley Cup. Then we're going to transition now into it's the quarter mark of the season, about a little past it. But I'd like to preview some awards. Uh, I think we've had a great sample size of games so far to talk about some of the top players. Uh, in each category and what we've seen and kind of make predictions off of who we're going to see hoisting those trophies uh, when it comes to the summer and the award show. And there's been, I think, honestly, the most interesting race so far has been the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Because there's a few guys. It's been, in the past, it's been a little top-heavy in terms of seen guys like Matthews and McDavid and Patrick Lane come through and they're just obvious candidates to win the trophy but it's definitely more spread out it's a little more wide open this year and there's two rookies right now that have 11 goals and I'm actually not picking either of them to win the Calder trophy they're they're my other two candidates but I think my champ my champion right now and not right now I don't think necessarily he has been the if they if they were to give the Calder trophy away right now I I don't necessarily think that this person would win the award but in terms of who I think is going to hoist that trophy come summertime which is how I'm going to be predicting all of these awards I think it's going to be Matthew Barzell for the New York Islanders I've been talking about him a decent amount on this show and rightly so because he's truly one of the most exciting players to watch in hockey right now He's a fantastic player, similar to Connor McDavid in the way that he has so much speed, but yet able to flash dazzling amounts of skill while at those high speeds. It's something the game is kind of shifting into that, not necessarily skills competition, but really a lot of speed and a lot of skill. It's kind of the new wave that we've been seeing. And Barzell embodies that more than really any other player I've seen, maybe besides McDavid. But he's an incredible player to watch, and he's trending in the right direction. Five goals, 15 assists so far, 20 points. Uh, Not leading rookies in points and not leading rookies in goals, but just a fantastic player and so much skill. 
and I really do think that he is going to continue to put out the most consistent point production from here on out until the end of the season, and I think we're going to be seeing him hoisting that Calder Trophy. Um, moving on to the Selkie Trophy, which is an interesting award. I don't necessarily like the way that the NHL has handled the, the recipients of these awards. Bergeron has, has won something like four out of the last five Selkie trophies. And it's, it, it has a history of being that way. Datsuk won the award three times in a row. It tends to be an award that players win often, almost like you're kind of, once you establish yourself as that type of forward, that type of center that plays good defense, you're essentially a shoe-in to win the award, and I don't think that's correct. I'm not sure that Bergeron deserved it last year. And I think he is one of my candidates because of that, because of that attitude. Jonathan Taze is also on the list of candidates, but I think, honestly, my champion is Austin Matthews. If you watch this kid play, we all know about his shot. We all know about the skill. We all know about the offensive prowess that he has. It's it's electric to watch. And it's different from that new wave that we've seen. It's not necessarily the speed or the dazzling deeks that we see from Matthews. It's his, inc- his incredible hockey IQ. He has one of the best, if not the best, wrist shots in the game. And that awareness and positioning that he has is just phenomenal. He's always in the right spot. He always makes the right play. And when he shoots the puck, watch out. It's probably going in the back of the net. But when you watch, when you really watch this Maple Leafs team, I've watched quite a handful of Maple Leafs games this season. The way he gets back, the way he back checks, the way he uses his stick on defense, and yeah, he can use his body as well, is very impressive. He is not one of those players that, even though he has such an incredible knack for goal scoring, he does not poach for goals. He doesn't sit at the blue line on defense and wait. You can't really do that at center regardless, but he does not ever do that. He's always involved in the play. He's always lifting sticks. He's always in the right position on defense. And it's really impressive. And I think that he, I haven't seen quite an all-around talent since Sidney Crosby came into the league. He's he's a really I mean he's got definitely has a better all-around game than Connor McDavid in my opinion. And he didn't receive hard, hardly any votes for the Selkie last year, but his game has improved and he can do a lot on defense. He he goes out against those top guys and he can shut them down. He's got great size to him, still great speed, and he can use his stick phenomenally. So I think that he's definitely deserving of the Selkie Trophy. I'm not sure we're going to see him in contention for a couple of those other trophies. We thought he might be up in the Art Ross Trophy, Rocket Richard Trophy, but a couple of other guys have really stepped up in, in, in those areas that we didn't necessarily expect to see. But we'll get into that. In a second, Norris Trophy Award, best defenseman in the league. Right now is somebody that I'm not sure people were predicting to be at the top of this list, but I think it's Alex Petrangelo right now for the St. Louis Blues. 
This Blues team has been outstanding. 16 wins. And Petrangelo is definitely the leader of that blue line. 7 goals, 13 assists, a plus 11 rating. And 7 goals for a defenseman is impressive at this point. We're going to be talking a lot about another consistent goal scorer in this league, Max Pacioretty. He's at 7 goals this season as a centerman. And this guy, Alex Petrangelo, on the blue line is putting up 7 goals and 13 assists with a plus 11 rating. Best among my candidates for a Norris Trophy. I believe best among defensemen, but don't quote me on that. Victor Hedman is another one of my candidates. I think we could definitely see him rise up if Petrangelo's play falls off and if the Blues play Blues play falls off in general. Victor Hedman is a guy that I've I've watched a lot of this Lightning team. How could you not want to watch a lot of this Lightning team? They're fantastic. Really entertaining team to watch. We're going to be talking a lot about Stamkos and Kucherov coming up. But Hedman has been an integral part of that team. Definitely their best blue liner. He can do a lot of different things. He's one of the one of the better shutdown defensemen in the league in terms of putting him out there against top guys and just relying on him for that defense. But he can also pass the puck incredibly. He can shoot it. Great slap shot from that blue line. And Drew Doughty, obviously. <clears throat> just a consistent player. Four goals, ten assists, plus four. He's notching a really solid amount of points, but he's just an iron man on that blue line, can shut anybody down at will almost, it seems. So definitely an obvious candidate. Eric Carlson not on my on my list right now. He missed a few games in the beginning of the season, and he's put up a, gr- a hefty amount of points, 16 assists already. He's got a minus 5 rating, though, and he's kind of trending in the wrong direction in, that, in terms of that. Hasn't notched a point in his last few games, minus rating his last few games. I I really want to say that he'll be there. That he'll be in contention. But I'm just not sure. I'm really not. I've watched the Senators team has been lackluster, especially of late. And his his play, he's gotten a lot of points, a lot of assists, he distributes the puck well, but his play has been He's not noticeable. When you watch the Sens team over the past week or so, he he hasn't stood out. He hasn't been noticeable. He's just been kind of blending in, playing, you know, a very average defensive game, not doing anything special on offense, not joining the rush as much as we're used to seeing from him. So I really want to say that he'll be there, and I hope he is there. He's a really entertaining player to watch when he's at his best but hasn't been at his best, especially these past week or two. Vesna Trophy, one of the most interesting races to watch always, is a fantastic race. So many great goaltenders in the league. We're seeing a new kind of league this season where there's. it seems like there's a game where a team scores six or seven goals every night. But yet we still have these incredible goaltenders putting up amazing numbers. Right now, I think it's going to be Sergei Bobrovsky. No doubt at this point that he's been the best goaltender in the league. 13 wins, 1.91 goals allowed average. That is unreal. Less than two goals allowed per game when the league average is three goals per game. 
That is special. That is special, Bob. And a, and a 936 save percentage, which is lights out. He's... I don't think you can dispute right now that he is the overwhelming Vesna favorite. He's won the trophy. He, he's been a candidate. And he's been a great goaltender for a lot of seasons. But somebody we didn't necessarily expect to see there that I think could definitely step up, could win this trophy absolutely, is Andre Vasilevsky for the Tampa Bay Lightning. 15 wins already. Absurd amount of wins. This team, the Tampa Bay Lightning team, is the best team in hockey, so he will benefit in that in that statistic consistently because this team, I think, will continue to dominate for the rest of the season. And he's been a big part of that, no doubt. They score a lot of goals. They have two of the best skaters in the league, if not the best right now. But he has been a big part of that. He He's not just along for the ride. He comes up big in huge situations, and I've seen him make some of the best saves that I have seen all season from any goaltender. He can, He's super athletic, he's big, and he can definitely make incredible saves. He can stretch out those, that, those, those leg pads incredibly. He's got a great glove. So he can make really entertaining and exciting saves, and he's an exciting goaltender to watch. He's not just somebody that's benefiting from a team that has some of the, one of the best defensive cores and one of the best forward cores in the league. He's definitely playing like one of the best goaltenders in the league as well. 232 goals allowed, 929 save percentage. Those numbers kind of speak for themselves in, in terms of proving how well he's played this season. And Corey Crawford is another another goalie that I've been very impressed with. I I haven't been too high on him throughout his career. On the flip side of the coin, I was just talking about with Vasilevsky. I did kind of think that he was kind of a passenger on those some of those incredible Blackhawks teams that have won so many Stanley Cups. I thought that he was just benefiting because the, the Blackhawks undoubtedly have had one of the best defensive cores for the past six, seven, even eight seasons in hockey. Just incredible guys coming through that program. Oduya. Jalmerson, Seabrook, Duncan Keith. You can the list goes on. Dustin Bufflin came through there. So I was I was I was a little down on him. I doubted him. I I watched a lot. I watched a lot of Blackhawks hockey. I've got a lot of friends that are Blackhawks fans. And when I watched him, I was never I never jumped out of my seat. I never saw him make those incredible saves. But this year's a completely different story. He's maybe it's just me saying that about him because he has been considered one of the better goaltenders in the league for a while but this year he's definitely proved me wrong and he's shown me that he has the skill to make lights out saves and he has stolen this team games at times and he's been the best player on the ice for them for multiple games for a number of games nine wins lowest number on the list of candidates but a 2-2-3 goals allowed average and a 9.32 save percentage. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. He has not been a passenger. He doesn't have that ridiculous number of wins, but numbers that don't quite tell that story. It's the other way around. He has numbers that tell a story of somebody that should have 13 wins in this league right now, but he's only got nine. And that that's what's impressed me most, is that this Blackhawk team, their, their blue line is not as good as they've been. Seabrook and Duncan Keith definitely showing their age. They lost a couple guys. 
They don't have Oduya, Jalmerson. So, and but Corey Crawford's still been incredible, and it's it's been fun to watch so far. And he's somebody that could definitely be hoisting that Vesna Trophy come season's end. Art Ross Trophy. I don't see a whole lot of variation happening from what we are seeing right now. To be honest with you, it seems absurd to suggest that there could be two of the top three point scorers from the same team, from the same line. And we all know who I'm talking about. It's Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. I think the only thing that could stop Steven Stamkos from winning the Art Ross Trophy besides Nikita Kucherov for most points in the league, besides his own teammate, is injury. He's had injury problems his his entire career. (coughs) Missed a decent amount of games in his career. But the way that he's playing right now is absolutely unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. The way he can shoot the puck with his one-timer, slap shot, or with his wrister. He's got all three. All three of his shots are at the top of the league right now. And then also the way he's passing the puck is absurd. It's on the tape every single time. Whether he's looking at who he's passing at or not, it's going to be on the tape, and it's going to create a goal-scoring chance. I mean, the man has 26 assists. It's absurd. Um, So, what? yeah, what he's doing right now, I don't see anybody passing him for the Art Ross Trophy unless he gets hurt or unless Kucherov could surpass him because, again, uh, what he's doing, his wrist shot's the best in the league, period. Best shot in the league. Great slap shot, great one-timer. And his his passing game is unbelievable because he creates so much room with that dangerous shot that he has. Defenses are, are so scared that he's going to shoot that puck, as they should be. But when he when he grips that stick and kind of notches back for a shot, which his release is super quick. You can barely even detect it. But when he does that, he still has the ability to just turn and pass really quick or hit a beautiful slap pass right to the front of the net for a deflection and a goal. And his vision has been unreal. His his hockey sense, we talked about it last week, that goal where he floated behind the goal, didn't even look and just slipped it right behind him. It's right on the tape for a goal for Stamkos. He's just got incredible sense of what's happening right now on, on, on the ice. And I don't see I don't see either of these two's plays I don't see either of these two's play tape tapering off at all. I see them ending up with over a hundred points each. I think Kucherov could be a sixty goal scorer. I really do. And third right now it's is Goudreau. In terms of points right now, but I do think that Connor McDavid can slip up into that into that third spot. Uh, the Oilers have been playing abysmally; they're not getting a lot of goal scoring. But I think that those those players around him can step up, and once that happens, his production will increase as well. Still not sure this team's going to make the playoffs, but I think that McDavid is one of the most talented players in the league offensively. And I think that we can definitely expect him to see expect to see him put up a lot of points. Rocket Richard trophy, I'm not really deviating a lot from 
from the totals right now. I think Kucherov is going to win. I I don't see anybody surpassing him because of what we've talked about already. Because he's playing with one of the best players in the league right now, Stamkos. I think if either one of these two players that are also on my list, Alex Ovechkin and, and John Tavares, if they were playing with Stamkos, I think you see them uh, hoist the Rocket Richard Trophy. That's how good of a player Stamkos is. And he makes everybody around him better. But because Kucherov has that benefit, because his wrist shot is so good, because he can also pass the puck, players don't know how to defend him. Because of those reasons, I, I, we definitely see him hoisting the Rocket Richard Trophy at the end of the season. Alex Ovechkin, I think, is going to be right behind him. They've been mixing up the lines there in Washington. He's been playing with Nick Backstrom the past, well, just the past game. He will be playing with Nick Backstrom tonight. And the other possible scenario is he'll, he would be playing with Evgeny Kuznetsov, who is one of the top assist men in the league also right now. So regardless of who he's playing with, he's playing with one of the best playmakers in the league, and Nick Backstrom, who's heavily underrated, or Evgeny Kuznetsov, his fellow countryman. Either of those two players are going to give him a lot of opportunities to score. And... Ovechkin can score in bunches. We all know that seven goals in his first two games. You heard that correctly. Seven goals in his first two games. He can score. At, he can he can score in bunches, and he can do it in a lot of different ways. I think people knock him for really going to the well on the power play with that one timer from the left circle, which is the best that hockey has ever seen. But he can score in a lot of different ways. We saw him scoring a breakaway the other night, an incredible wrist shot to the roof. He did it effortlessly. He can get in front of the net, and he can do a lot of different things, and I definitely expect him. He only had you know, just over 30 goals last season. I definitely expect him. We've seen it already so far this season with 14. I, we, I expect him to bounce back into that bordering on 50-goal territory, probably 45 to 50 goals I expect him to, to score this season. And then John Tavares at the third spot. He does it all for this Islander team. I think he's been a great mentor for Matthew Barzell as well, who we've talked about. And Tavares can do it all. I think that he could make some moves in that Art Ross conversation as well. He has 15 assists right now. But or he has 10 assists right now, 15 goals. Sorry about that. He he is a great passer of the puck, and he does everything so subtly. He's not one of these Connor McDavid's or even Alex Ovechkin's where you just look at him and you're like, wow, that speed, or wow, that shot. does everything so subtly, and he's just such a professional, and he gets to the dirty areas in a subtle way. You don't really expect him to do any of the things that he does because – when you're watching him on tape, you're like, okay, it's a, it's a decent wrist shot. It's a decent slap shot. He's got decent ability to get to the front of the net. When you put those things together with a guy that has one of the best hockey IQs in all of the league, he can use each of those pieces of his game when he needs to, and he can sense the ability of what he needs to do in any certain situation, and that allows him to score goals in a variety of different ways. And he truly is one of the best, if not the best, at knowing how to utilize his skill set. 
and he does it night in and night out. A very consistent player. Not a he's not a player that you're gonna see go ten games without scoring a goal. Speaking of that, Sidney Crosby just did that recently. And he does all of these same things that Tavares does. They're very similar players. But I don't Tavares is just not the guy right now. He's in a, in the prime of his career. He's not a guy you're gonna see go through a long scoring drought. Definitely expect him to see to see consistent goal scoring from him and definitely get over that 40 goal scoring mark. And now, the real deal, what you've all been waiting for, the Hart Trophy. We've only said his name once. Haven't mentioned him for the Art Ross or the Rocket Richard, but he's because he's missed a few games, I think he is the most valuable player to his team in the league is Austin Matthews. We talked about his ability to get back on defense, and he does everything. He does everything in the game that you could ask a young centerman to do, and more. Scores goals, he gets his teammates involved, and he, he shuts down some of the best forwards in the league. And I'm not sure you see the league pick him for the Hart Trophy, but he's my pick because I wouldn't be surprised to see the league pick one of these guys that's putting up ridiculous numbers like Stamkos, Kucherov, Tavares. And it's easy to do that with those ridiculous numbers they're putting up. But when you watch Austin Matthews, he is, bar none, the most valuable player to his team with everything that he does on the ice. He he helps his team win. We talked about how earlier how they have lost a couple games since he's come back, but he really helps his team win. And he's brought this franchise back almost single-handedly uh, with what he can do and the way he makes his teammates better. I think that's one of the most important criteria you can have for a Hart Trophy winner is do you make the players around you better? And absolutely, Austin Matthews does that. And I think we see him win it. Nikita Kucherov, definitely. And Connor McDavid are my other two candidates. They do everything uh, that we were just talking about. Make, they make their teammates better 100%. And I'd like to talk about somebody that there's been a lot of rumor. There's been a lot of, you know, trade rumors happening right now in the league. Ever since that Matt Duchesne trade, there's been speculation. There's been a void in the league of, well, what are we going to talk about in terms of trade rumors? Matt Duchesne, we talked about him for over a year because we knew he was on the trading block. We knew he was going to get traded. And now, now the question becomes, who is that next blockbuster to be traded who is that next guy that we can speculate about and we've already talked about previously Vander Kane being one of those guys and now there's been a lot of speculation about Max Pacioretty being moved from the Montreal Canadiens and the question is should the Canadians trade Max Pacioretty should they trade their captain and when you you know when on the surface one would be like no he's their captain he's their leader he's a consistent 30 goal scorer he's a great player a really really great player underrated player they shouldn't trade him but the bottom line is when you really get down to thinking about it they sh- it's a no brainer the Montreal Canadiens need to trade Max Pacioretty they have to trade Max Pacioretty this Canadian's team has been pathetic this season. They're trending in the wrong direction. They are 
horrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're a terrible team. They've had a terrible season, and they've let those passionate Montreal fans down in a big way this season. You know, they had expectations to be a decent team. No one was picking them as a Stanley Cup favorite by any means, but they had expectations to be a top team in the league, and they have not lived up to that by any means. They've been horrible. Goals for third last in the league with 53. Goals against 79, third worst in the league. There's only two teams that have a worse goal differential in the league than the Montreal Canadiens. Do you want to take a guess? It's the Buffalo Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes. That's embarrassing for a franchise like the Montreal Canadiens to be in the company of the Buffalo Sabres and the Arizona Coyotes. But the bottom line is, they are just as bad as those teams, if not worse. They are getting pounded consistently. They have lost... How many games in a row have they lost? I believe they've lost five in a row. They've lost five games in a row. They only have five guys on their entire roster with double-digit points. And I'd like to list them off for you really quick, if, if you'd allow me. 14 points from Brendan Gallagher. That's right. The second leading goal scorer on their team is Shea Weber, a defenseman. 13 points, Shea Weber. Jonathan Drouin has 13 points, only three goals. Pacioretty has 12 points. And Philip Donneau has 12 points. And that are, those are the only players that have double-digit points for this Canadiens team. Brendan Gallagher is the leading point scorer on this team with 14 points. That's pathetic. When you, when, when, you, when you read off those names, those are their top five point scorers. And when you read off those names, it's almost sad. Who do they have? Who do they have on that team? What was the expectation going into this season? That Drew Ann was going to become a 40-goal scorer magically? Yes, you expect Pacioretty to be a 30-goal scorer, as he always is, but not even that could come anywhere close to saving this team. Was the expectation that Shea Weber was going to get 30 goals? A defenseman? Like, who did they expect to score goals on this team? When you look down the roster, who do you expect to score goals? Because I don't see anybody that jumps off the page at all. It, it's pathetic what they've done. And they need to tra- They need to make a move. They, they need to blow up their franchise completely. What are they, you can't stick with what they have right now. If they stick with what they have right now, the best case scenario is that you still don't make the playoffs. And you maybe go just below 500. You can't stick with what they have. They don't have enough to win. They just don't. They have to make changes, and they have to make them this season. If they, they, they will be a team that's mediocre for 15 seasons to come if they don't make serious changes. And it starts with their captain, Max Pacioretty. He has underperformed this season. Seven goals and five assists. And this is a guy that has put up 30 goals or more in the past four seasons. The Montreal needs to trade him because they can get an even bigger haul 
than what Colorado got for Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne has reached 30 goals in his season in his career one time. Pacioretty has done it four seasons in a row. He's 29, Pacioretty is. He is a guy that is in his prime, in the prime of his career right now. And they can get a big return in terms of prospects and picks for this guy. So it, they need to tr- they need change right now. I talked about the Sabres earlier and how they should not trade Evander Kane because it's a completely different situation. They've already started their rebuild. They've already done a lot of things in that rebuild. They have young pieces, young stars. Jack Eichel is a star. Do, do the Canadians have a Jack Eichel? Absolutely not. They don't. They don't have a guy that can do anything close to what Jack Eichel can do. And Evander Kane is only 26. He's much younger than Pacioretty. He's three years younger. And he's a guy that can be part of a rebuild. Pacioretty doesn't want to do that. He's a dignified player, a captain in this league that doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. The Canadians don't want to hold on to him and waste his career because they won't get anywhere with him. So they need to move him. They need to move him now, and they need to they need to make big, big, big changes. Anyways, we have some games tonight going on in the NHL. Before we wrap up, I'd like to run through them a little bit. Um, this podcast will have will have wrapped up and will be out by the time this Pittsburgh Boston game ends. One o'clock game. Currently, it's nine minutes left in the second period. Boston is up two to one. We mentioned Sidney Crosby earlier. He only has six goals and 11 assists, 17 points so far, and he is minus 11. He has a minus 11 rating. For a guy like Sidney Crosby, you just don't expect that. So this Pittsburgh team is not quite where they want to be, and I think that is one of the teams that you could see make a move for Pacioretty. It would help immensely. This team would, would go back to the top team in the league, I believe, if they were able to acquire Max Pacioretty without giving up any current starters. You would see Sidney Crosby's play improve immensely, because right now he's playing with Connor Sheary on the left wing, and that's not going to really improve Sidney Crosby's chances at, at being the elite player, the elite scorer that he's been lately. But if you put Pacioretty next to him, whew, watch out. That could be very dangerous. We've got a couple of afternoon games. Metro matchup, Flyers-Islanders. Not sure I have any tips for you in terms of that game, in terms of betting. Not sure what's going to go down there because, I, again, I like this Flyers team. You know, They're only 8, 9, and 5 right now, but I like them. I think they've got a lot of great pieces and that they could be a team that can sneak in and make the playoffs. They're at home. So not not sure about that one. It's going to be a great game. Minnesota plays host to Colorado at 4, 4 o'clock today. Like the over in that game at 5.5. Not sure about a winner there. Uh, that'll be an interesting game to see. Jason Zucker has been on fire. Incredible goal scorer lately. So that'll be a good one to watch. Another 4 o'clock game. We've got three 4 o'clocks today. It's a nice afternoon hockey treat. You got Anaheim hosting Winnipeg. I love Winnipeg. They're hot. Five, won five of their last six. They are at, looks to be minus 120 right now. I'd definitely take them there. And I'd take the over in this game as well. 
yes, Hellebuck's been playing great. Duck, Duck's been getting pretty good goaltender from Gibson, but I see this one being being a shootout, being a high-scoring affair. Jets have a lot of guys that can score goals, so I like the over 5.5, and, and I like that. Uh, I like the Winnipeg Jets on the money line if you'd like to do a little two-pick parlay there. Um, we got Caps and Lightning at 5. Caps at home. The Bolts are minus 145 on the money line. And again, they're one of the best teams in hockey. I absolutely love this team. And I, I probably would go with them on the money line. Puck line, definitely go Caps. I think it's going to be a close game. At plus one and a half, I would take them. But I do. I, I expect this to be a one-goal game, but also a Tampa Bay Lightning victory. And I expect the over to hit in a big way. Five and a half. The over is at five and a half. Definitely, that's a lock. That's my lock pick of the day. That over is going to hit. Washington's a high-scoring team. They got a lot of talent on their forwards, on their forward, uh, forward core. And Tampa Bay, obviously, we know what they do. Pick the over, hundred percent. Vegas hosts San Jose. I like Vegas to win at minus minus one hundred five. They're the underdog in, in the in the game. I'd I'd say definitely go with them. Love their style of play as we talked about. They throw pucks on net. Not sure about the over under at five and a half. Could go either way, but I like Vegas to win that game. New Jersey hosting Vancouver. New Jersey at home, I think that's always a good pick. Minus 135. Go ahead and take them. I like the over. Vancouver's found their goal-scoring stride with Brock Besser and uh, Bo Horvat on that top line. New Jersey's got a lot of young goal-scoring talent, so I like, I, like, I like that over, and I like New Jersey as well. Rangers hosting the Red Wings. Rangers are at minus 170, so they're heavy favorites, and I'm not sure... I'm not sure about how the game will go, but just in terms of lines, if you're looking for a good line, I don't think the Red Wings are a bad pick at all at plus 145. Go ahead and take them. Could definitely see them winning. Sabres hosting the Oilers, and I'd like the Sabres to win that game. We talked about Edmonton. They they exploded for six goals in their last game, and the last time they exploded for, for a lot of goals, an eight-goal game, they followed it up with a horrible performance, and I expect that to happen again. So I'd go Buffalo here. A nice little underdog pick that you could that you could uh, you could sneak in there. Columbus hosting Ottawa. I like Columbus. We talked about Sergey Bobrovsky. Talked about Ottawa underperforming a little bit already. So I like Columbus in that game at home. Definitely, they're a heavy favorite, but I still like them, even though the odds are not that great. Carolina hosting Toronto. Over, over, over all day. It's at six, not five and a half, but I still love it. Definitely go the over there. Teravainen for for the Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo for the Hurricanes. Those two guys have been lights out. Check their numbers recently, man, because they've been impressive. They might; those two guys might be available in a lot of fantasy leagues as well. If you play fantasy hockey, I just picked up Tivu Teravainen off the waiver wire, and he's been lights out lately. Uh, they're they're scoring a lot of goals. Those two guys and, and putting up a lot of points, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues. So. Toronto, we all know they can score goals, so I like the over in that game. Not sure, I'm not sure about who's going to win. Carolina at home, they're a pretty hot team, but the Maple Leafs are the Maple Leafs, so that's a tough one to pick. But love the over. St. Louis hosting the Predators. Two great teams right now. A couple hot teams. So if you're looking for a good line, the Predators are pretty heavy underdogs at plus one twenty-five. 
I think that's a good line. You know, the Blues are a great team, but Nashville's hot, and they're also you know they're thirteen six and two, and they've they've been playing a lot of great hockey. So I like them at, at a nice plus one twenty five line. Dallas hosts Calgary. That's a crapshoot. Over under is a crapshoot. Sorry, you're out of luck on that one. I can't really give you a give you a good pick. Calgary is plus one ten. Decent odds. They're they're underdogs, and they you know Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan. They can they can make things happen. They can score points. So I guess if you're looking for another plus uh, plus one, if you're looking for another underdog line, don't mind Calgary. And Arizona hosts the Kings. Arizona's only plus one hundred. Yeah, the Kings have lost six of their last seven, but I'd I'd go with the Kings here. Um, they're just barely favored. If they were heavy favorites. I might say, yeah, go with Arizona. You know, they won a couple games. They they're on a little stretch here for that for their standards. They're on a little stretch, but they're the Kings are just barely favored. So I'd go ahead and take them for sure. And uh, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up the game previews. And that's going to ooh the Bruins just scored another goal. They're up three one. Six minutes left in the game. But that's gonna wrap up the recaps. And that's gonna wrap up the show. Thank you very much, so uh, guys, for tuning in. I'm Thomas Robertson, and this has been Outside the Glass, presented by Pure Sports Net. Give Pure a follow on Twitter, at Pure Sports Net. If you're looking for the best hockey news and analysis, follow us at Pure Sports NHL. And if you're looking for any other sports coverage, Pure Sports, at Pure Sports, and then that sport, whether it's MLB, NFL, college sports, we have it all. And our website's coming in January puresportsnetwork.com January 2018 the website's launching we're going to have awesome content guys great articles coming out all the time constant updates and great writing and just the great the best opinions and analysis in sports so yeah definitely be sure to give us a visit at the website and it's been great talking to you guys today I'm Thomas Robertson signing off with Outside the Glass <laughs>